I'm Jordan Carpenter, head coach of the 2019 cross-country national champion Pomona Pitzer Sage Hens, and here's to the glory days. Hello everyone, happy new year and welcome back to D3 Glory Days. We started this podcast last year, and it's been a lot of fun for us to share some of the stories of Division Three running and to relive our own glory days. We're excited for what this year is going to bring to our young podcast, and we really appreciate all of you who have been listening all along. Of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and review our podcast wherever you found it. Today on Episode 9 of D3 Glory Days, we're happy to welcome former D3 All-American national champion coach, and current elite distance runner, Jordan Carpenter. Jordan was an unheralded high school athlete who improved every year on a diet of high mileage and 4.0 GPAs at UW Oshkosh. He ultimately finished as high as 13th at Cross Country Nationals and was runner-up in the steeplechase. While continuing his running career after graduation, which has included a 64-minute half marathon, Jordan also launched his coaching career. Just three years into his job as the head cross-country coach at Pomona College, he led them to their first-ever national championship. Jordan is currently training in Boulder, Colorado, eyeing an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon before the collegiate track season ramps up again. Enjoy the conversation, and here's to the glory days. Jordan, welcome to my bedroom where we are recording the second ever in-person episode of D3 Glory Days um, with Stu phoning in from uh, elsewhere. Chicago. Yeah, it's great to be here. High, high quality production. High quality say. production in the, in the sound studio here where I sleep most nights. Well, Jordan, yeah, so what brings you out to Boulder? My girlfriend actually uh, nice. lives here and... Uh, Trains in, in your group, which which you know. Um, so uh, I'm here to uh, visit her for the holidays. Obviously, take advantage of, of an awesome running area as well. Cool. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, listeners at home will uh, know Jordan from the introduction, which we just recorded. But super interesting character, uh, a D3 athlete, a D3 coach, and a post-collegiate athlete himself. So Jordan, like a lot of our guests wears a lot of different hats. Um, so, you know, like we do with a lot of our guests, you're familiar with our podcast, obviously, as everybody out there is, um, since we're skyrocketing on the charts. We like to go back and kind of get an idea of where you came from and what level you were kind of at in high school. So if you could start by just rattling off your high school PRs and then maybe put into context what athletics was to you in high school. Yeah, so I uh, was born and raised in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh Went to Ashwaubenon High School. In in high school, uh, I I didn't do track uh, until sophomore year, um, and then uh, by senior year, I uh, had a PR in the, the 3200 of 9:59. I snuck under the 10 minute barrier once, probably my crowning achievement. Um, I think I ran 432 in the 1600 classic, and I actually thought I was an 800 runner, <laughs> as I think most high school. Uh, runners do because um, I ran too flat uh, in the 800 so I thought I was a very speedy guy um, and, and that was actually the only event I qualified for state in uh, on the track was the 4x8 relay 
um, with with a few teammates um, who also uh, a few went on to have really good uh, collegiate careers. Yeah, I qualified once in, in cross country. I liked cross country a lot more, probably through college as well. I didn't really ever love the track. Um, cross country, I qualified for state as a senior. I think I finished, I don't even know, 100th. Did you, did Wisconsin have a class system in cross country? Yeah, so they had three divisions, uh, one, two, three, with one being the largest. We were division one. Um, our high school was about uh, 1,100 students okay. um, on the big side for Wisconsin. And then kind of uh, how athletics fit. Um, I was actually a hockey player coming from Wisconsin. Um, so I thought for sure I was going to continue hockey um, really until probably my senior year um, is when I kind of switched from, you know, identifying myself as a hockey player to you know, changing that, that identity to a, a runner. Um, so it was something that came about pretty late and yeah, really developed uh, my senior year. And so, yeah, you make the state meet and cross country your senior year at that point was running, you know, after high school, were you thinking about it? Did you know that the Division three level existed um, to continue your athletic career? Yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate. Um, I had a, a really awesome uh, high school coach who was, you know, very involved and, and helped me a ton. Uh, Cal Crom, he's actually still the, the coach at Ashwabanon. So he actually uh, competed at a couple different Wisconsin schools, first at, at Parkside in the Division two ranks, and then ended up transferring to UW Oshkosh, um, his last year and competed division three. Uh, he certainly helped out a lot. And I looked at a variety of schools, kind of my fall senior year, Marquette, uh, university in Milwaukee was actually my top choice. That's really where I wanted to go. As you may guess though, as a nine fifty nine two miler division one schools are not going to be super excited about you. So that kind of, you know, I was accepted there was really hoping to go and, and ultimately was told that I would not have a spot on the team. So, um, at that point, I had really decided running was something that was important to me and, and was important in my college search. Um, so that's really when I started then to kind of shift to Division three schools. And, and I pretty much looked in-state. Um, I wasn't really recruited uh, other than at UW Oshkosh. Um, and I think there was just that connection with my high school coach. I looked at UW Lacrosse actually was, again, my second choice behind Marquette and wanted to go there. But the coach there at the time told me I would not make their team because they were returning uh, most of their group. And, and that, you know, maybe as a sophomore, if I improved, I would make their roster. So that kind of ruled that out. And, and my number three choice was um, UW Oshkosh. And, and I ended up being their top recruit. <laughs> And, you know, they, they were the ones that really wanted me there. And, and I, I wanted to be somewhere where I, you know, was valued and, you know, would be given an opportunity to, to keep pursuing my passion of, of running. So that's ultimately kind of how I went, went to Oshkosh. Oshkosh, you know, valued you, wanted you. You know, how did that play into your transition then, your first year on campus? Was it an easy transition to kind of adjust the college lifestyle or, you know, kind of take us through your first year on campus? Yeah, so I think the adjustment to college, I think just as a student athlete, is is easier than than I would say non athletes. Obviously, you, you know, uh, we had a couple things in the summer where the team would get together before school even started. So you kind of come into the start of school with you know twenty to twenty five, you know, people that you know pretty well and, and that you feel comfortable with. So I think on that end, it it was easy. Um, I think certainly kind of listening to to some of the other stories, I think you know Pat, uh, Patrick Watson. 
the national champ uh, on the men's side kind of had a, a similar experience to me where, you know, freshman year, I got pulled a little bit into, you know, the, the party scene, if you will. I think, I think when you go to college, there's this, I always call it when I talk to my group and my incoming freshmen, I call it the myth uh, of college that, you know, the only way to have fun and, and to meet people is to go out and, and go to these parties and, and drink. So certainly I fell into that, but then I, I realized pretty quickly on that this isn't that fun. It's the same thing every weekend. And I just didn't value that. So I, I kind of similar to, to Patrick, I was able to get that kind of out of the system early and, you know, had some, some really good teammates and, and mentors too, that kind of gave me other avenues um, to explore. You know, Tyler Rory, who was a fifth year, my freshman year, um, I got really close with him and he kind of, you know, led me down, down the right path and was a really good mentor. And, and certainly that helped too. But I think most, most first years you go through that, that little bit of a struggle of finding what do you want college to be? And I think you find often it's different than what you thought it was or had to be. And, and certainly that was the case for me. I learned pretty quickly that, Hey, I can have fun. I can still be social. I can go to these parties and choose not to drink or, or, or drink socially. And, and I think that, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk to, that was really what helped me progress as a runner, you know, being able to be social, have fun, but, you know, still be able to get to bed at a decent hour and be ready to, to get the work in the next day. The old old coach at, at Oshkosh, legendary coach, uh, John Zupons, who was there for a really long time, he kind of had this saying that, you know, was then passed on to, to my college coach, Eamon McKenna, you know, nothing good happens after midnight basically saying that yeah go have fun but you know if you're if you're home by midnight you know you're you're doing fine on on a weekend yeah so the coach kind of steered the the drinking culture there encouraging you guys to you know kind of keep it clean yeah so Eamon uh my coach who's uh, still one of my best friends to this day um he actually started there um they had an interim coach my first year John uh, John Zupons who had kind of recruited me retired him and his wife Deb Cotterin um, two legendary coaches who are in the Hall of Fame actually retired right before I got there. So they had an interim for a year, and then they had ultimately did a search and, and hired Eamon my next year. So that was really what shifted that change more than anything. Um, Eamon was really hands-on and um, super personable, you know, cared about what we were doing outside of practice and certainly was was a big key in kind of steering that ship and, and kind of saying, hey, you know, what would be really cool is if we, you know, had these big running goals and, and did what we could uh, to achieve them. Like that'll be really cool. And, and you'll think back on those memories more than you would this random Saturday night, you know, at 2 a.m. Um, so Eamon was definitely a huge part in, in steering that. So it seems like Eamon was definitely a turning point in your college athletic career. But, you know, kind of just looking through your meet results, you, you did get to run nationals your freshman year in cross country. You know, coming for a kid who only ran the state meet once in high school, you know, I remember my first national meet just, I wasn't even participating. I was just there, but I remember being like, okay, wow, this is like a big stage. And that really motivated me. Did that have the same effect on you or was it really the coaching change that got you really fired up? I think it was the coaching change really, you know, my first year, you know, I, I, I liked running, you know, I, had been told I was was really good at it. I think my high school coach did a good job of hyping me up more than, you know, I should have been. Um, but it was cool. You know, I made, I was the seventh man. I think I finished 200 and something. 65th. 265th, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, so that's almost last. Uh, for those who aren't aware, I think there's like 280 some runners. 
we were a very front-heavy squad. We had three All-Americans that year and finished fifth. I was very little help in that. But certainly just being around a good team was motivating. Um, certainly I wanted to get better. Um, I, I had a pretty atrocious indoor season my freshman year. Didn't get any really any better from high school. The outdoor season, I kind of found the steeple and, and saw some success. So that really is what kind of started it. And then certainly meeting Eamon and just got to be a part of that search and and just kind of hearing his passion for the sport really started to ignite my own passion for for the sport of running and not just being kind of a participant in it, but being really passionate about running and, and the sport of, of cross country and track and field in general. So definitely that's really when it, it took off. Diving in more on the steeplechase, you know, you said you kind of got into it your freshman year. Why and how did you find that event? Was there, you said you were struggling a little bit. Was it just nice to break up the the regular 5k 1500 and want to do a steeplechase? Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, it, it was my high school coach, Cal, kind of had always said, like, oh, you know, you're going to be a good steepler one day. I think it was just because I'm on the bigger side for a distance athlete, or it's just stronger, and I think that comes from the hockey days. But um, he kind of, you know, kind of had that, you know, always in my ear about that. And then, uh, like I mentioned, Tyler Morey, one of my mentors my first year, he was a really good steepler and um, kind of took me under his wing and and get, got me really excited for it. And then I remember the start of outdoor the coach at the time, uh, who was an interim coach, Paul Brown, was like, sure, yeah, you can do a steeple if you want. He's like, you need to be able to clear a barrier. So one did that, that like next day at practice, he pulled the barrier onto the track and he was like, all right, go jump it. I ran at it and jumped it and he's like, yeah, all right, you're ready. We'll, we'll race it next week. So it was kind of trial by fire, um, really. And I, it went really well. My first steeple ever, which most, most people I don't think have that same experience. Do you remember what you ran? I do. I ran 9:42, which for a guy who was running a lot of like high 430s in the mile indoor and um, never broke nine in the 3K that year, like I was very pleased with with that start. And certainly it was uh, you know rough uh, on the the barrier side of things and the clearing side. But um, kind of after that race, started working with Tyler. Um, he showed me a lot of different drills and, and technique stuff and. It's an exciting event, too, because, you know, you get to see this massive time drop usually from your first time to, to really when you get comfortable with the event. So I think almost every time I ran it that year, I cut time off. And uh, probably like the, the highlight was the, the conference championship meet. I think I went in, you know, ranked like ninth, not expected to score, ended up running, I think, like 924 or something like that, which was a pretty big PR and finished second. That little chip on my shoulder, I beat the UW lacrosse, their kind of good steepler who was, you know, a borderline national caliber steepler and, and kind of being told I wasn't good enough to make their team that that kind of continued to light that that fire for me. And then I ended up running 916 as, as a first year, which, you know, was close to making the national meet kind of exceeded any expectations I had for the event. And and. My coach at the time really had no explanation for why I was good at the steeple. I, I was not good at the open 3K. My hurdle form is not good. Um, even even as my career went on, it was kind of funky looking. But it was just something that, that clicked, and it was an event that I, I just took to and, and went really well. To harp on the steeple one last time, you mentioned that you ran 916 there at last chance meet with at North Central. You know That gave you that motivation then to know that this was the event for you because the following year then as a sophomore you make it to nationals you know was that the was that the race that kind of told you that you were this was the race for you or this was the event for you 
yeah, definitely. It, 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 I think really that conference meet secured it and said, okay, I can be really good at this. Um, and, and then running nine sixteen kind of told me like, Hey man, I can be at nationals next year. And that was, that was really exciting. And, and certainly that was the goal. Had some bumps along the way that next year, but yeah, then that really was the goal. The start of the next track season was like, I need to be at the national meet. You know, I was within a few seconds the year before. This is, you know, something I can do and, and should do. You established definitely some momentum your freshman year. You find a new event. You made the varsity team for cross country on a nationally competitive team. Um, but the start of the next year, you definitely stalled out and missed the entire cross country season. Yeah. So that kind of, yeah, that was the bump in the road. I, I had what was kind of diagnosed as a mono-like illness. They never really, you know, I didn't didn't come back positive for mono, but they said it was something similar. And at the end of the summer, I was strained and struggling to even run and, and ultimately just made the decision to, to not be on the team and, and just get healthy and, and get, get back into running on my own. And then hopefully, you know, be ready to, to come back for the, for the track season. And unfortunately, you know, by the end of, you know, I think I ran one race unattached at the end of the season and, and was able to PR. And so still had, some momentum and, and, you know, some highlights from, from that season, but really was just able to get healthy again and, and back into consistent running. Did you kind of remove yourself from the team entirely or were you still kind of, you know, dropping in on practice here and there? Or was it just easier for you to kind of separate? Yeah, it was, it was easier to separate. And, and obviously with the way that, um, NCAA rules are, that was kind of required in, in our, yeah. uh, administration kind of was making sure that that was happening. Obviously I still live with the guys and you know, if there wasn't a practice, I might run with them, but um, I, I was pretty removed um, for most of that season and, and just doing a lot of stuff on my own. And, and obviously li I lived with some guys on the team. So certainly was still involved in on the social aspect of the team, but yeah, most of the running stuff was, was mostly on my own. Missing a whole season, you know, it can be very tough, especially when you, get into a groove and then, you know, you're saying you're missing time with the team and that following year for cross country, was it weird to be back running cross country? Cause you really had, you know, two track season and missed a uh, cross country. How was it transitioning back into that cross country mindset? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, it was, it was pretty easy. I mean, coming off of making nationals on the track and uh, as a sophomore and ended up finishing uh, in the Attaboy uh, all American spot, uh, also known as ninth place. <laughs> Even though finishing ninth and being really close to All-American kind of sucked, I was super excited. I think I went into the meet ranked like 17th, and then to make the final and then you know finish ninth, I it gave me a lot of confidence and and kind of with talking with Damon, you know, he was talking like, hey, you should be really good in, in cross country this year. Like you just ran 909 or 907, whatever I ended up running that year, and he was like, you should expect to be you know towards the front of our group and and running really well, and so kind of those expectations um, had me really excited for, for that next cross season. Outside of your athletics career, which was starting to get rolling, one thing that I think is pretty cool about your story is that unlike the hosts of uh, this podcast, you maintained a, a 4.0 <laughs> grade point average um, throughout your entire undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Kind of lame, but like very cool. Uh, <laughs> Did you have good study habits ingrained from high school or was that a transition in college and what were some of the factors um, in your success in the classroom? I mean, I was always a good student, um, even at the high school level. And 
this is going to sound like a dig on Oshkosh. I certainly don't mean it that way. Some people that I, you know, went to school with in high school or, or even some, some family members thought like, oh, you should go to a, a better school. You know, they were really pushing Marquette um, for the academics. Um, but I kind of made this deal with myself and say, you know what, it doesn't matter where you go to school. If you apply yourself and and work hard, um, you'll have opportunities. And that's kind of the mindset I I took to, to Oshkosh and I kind of just told myself like, hey, it's you know time to kind of change some of those bad habits I had in high school and, and make sure I get the work done. And I also had another teammate, John DeWitt, who's actually a, a current you know semi-professional, you know multiple Olympic trials uh, qualifier. Um, he had a 4.0 as well and, and he was uh, a junior. My, yeah, he was a junior my freshman year, um, and, and I got to see him at that cross-country national banquet win um, what is now called the Elite 90 Award, which is an award that goes to the highest GPA at the national site. So it's the Elite 90 because there's one for all of the different sports in the NCAA, so there's 90 of them total. So I got to see him win that, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. I would like to do that one day. So that kind of motivated me a little more, obviously, to, to kind of maintain. And, and I think once you have one semester where I had that 4 I was like, well, man, now I got to keep it. Certainly, there was a little bit of competitiveness, uh, competitiveness along with that, knowing there was kind of this cool award out there as well. So a couple different areas that really motivated me to, to make sure I took care of business in the classroom. Were you just you know, a student and an athlete, or did you get involved elsewhere on campus? Yeah, so I was involved in a couple other clubs, founded a, a club on campus that I'm blanking what it was called, but it was essentially, uh, it was the like, club a, you founded? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to, we're going to fact check this for the people, people at home. I am blanking right now. Um, so it was like an organization that was on other campuses and they were trying to bring to our campus. So I was like the founding president of it. Sack? I didn't like found a no, it wasn't wasn't anything to do with athletics. It was like a volunteer organization. Basically, we would we spent a lot of time at like the local elementary schools, you know, doing different projects with the kids and, and stuff like that, and just you know trying to be good role models, and then uh, some other volunteering stuff too. So yeah, it was always something you know wanting to be involved. And, and Eamon, uh, again, as as my coach was, he's a really good role model of that too. As a team, we would do a lot of volunteering and go and read to you know elementary students as as a team and just really try to be good role models for, for kids kind of, you know, younger and, and seeing us as, you know, college athletes and, and college students. Hearing that you're involved and in having a 4.0, did that impact your running? Did that hinder how much you could do? Like, did you still double? Like, what was, you know, how was that balance between uh, academics and running? Not to sound very cocky, but I, I found school pretty easy. You know, it wasn't, too much of a challenge. Certainly there was, you know, you had to put the time in. Um, but you know, I was able, especially later in, in my college career and, uh, I was able to really focus a lot on running and, uh, and I ran pretty high volume in, in college and was able to double a lot and, and put the time in for it. I actually graduated early from school. I had a lot of AP credits coming out of high school. So I think that made it easier too. I could take a little bit of a lighter load each semester, you know, having, I had like 20 some credits coming out of high school. So yeah, it was never too challenging other than just, you know, a little bit time consuming, but I always found time to, to get in the running side of things just because it was important to me. Um, and, and I wanted to get better and I wanted to be good. And so I just, you know, made sure there was time for it. Before we kind of get into your, 
you know, your major accomplishments of the end of your collegiate career, um, you know, your, your high finish at NCAA cross country runner up finish, um, in the steeplechase, I think now is maybe a good time to kind of look into Eamon's coaching philosophy a little bit, like specifically in terms of kind of the nuts and bolts, maybe a good way to do this is you walking us through kind of a week of training, um, maybe from your junior or senior year and how that progressed from your early college. Yeah. So something really that I think not all of the athletes did this, but something Eamon kind of gave me the freedom to do was, you know, when it, especially when it came to the volume, he kind of gave me the freedom to run a lot. Um, I think after, after my year, I went more um, and kind of said like, Hey, I want to get, I want to be good. Like, can I, you know, I was running probably 70 miles a week uh, my first couple of years, which is a decent volume at, at that age. But I wanted to bump that up a lot and he kind of gave me the freedom to do so obviously encouraged me to do it, you know, intelligently and, and make sure we weren't getting injured or anything like that. Um, but I kind of then made the jump from running, you know, moderate volume to what would be considered pretty high volume. And that was a lot of the training. I'm like, well, give us a number. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think my peak was 107. Um, uh, during my college career, I probably had 10 to 1200 mile weeks over the course of my last two plus years in college in the summers like early in my career I, I ran myself into the ground so really with that volume jump we kind of I didn't do any I had zero planned workouts you know the when I got actually really good um, as a runner in college I was doing nothing planned in the summers I kind of I think a lot of athletes do this in college you kind of just run kind of hard all the time so I found I was doing most of my mileage close to six minute pace and if I felt good, runs might end in the 530s. And that, that worked for me. Obviously, it doesn't work for everyone. But that was kind of what we did. And, and then obviously, when we got into season, we might slow a little bit. But overall, I was still running pretty fast. We were typically doing two workouts a week. You know, one that might be, depending on the season, you know, we did we have there's one hill in Oshkosh and it's uh, called Garbage Hill because it's an old garbage dump. <laughs> That's pretty much the only hill. So we we use that a lot. We do combinations of of hill repeats combined with you know tempos on the flat and then come back do more hills. And and we did a lot of you know continuous stuff as well. So typically once you know nothing out of the ordinary, we'd have one day that was usually either hills or intervals or some combination. Um, another day that was longer, more continuous, maybe two mile repeats, five, uh, 5k repeats, or, you know, a long continuous tempo effort. And then just the recovery days were all pretty fast. And I think one way that I, you know, especially later in my career, I think a lot of people tend to pay for that type of stuff where you're just running hard all the time. But I think, you know, when I started to get really good, I didn't have a ton of people pushing me in workouts. So it's, I always look back and go, well, how hard was I actually running in my workout days? And, and we'll probably, we, I'll, I'll touch on this as we go into the post-collegiate, but I always look back and be like, I kind of just ran kind of hard every day. I didn't really have too much variation as to super easy, super hard. And, and I know they've changed that a little bit at Oshkosh. And, and I think I was given a little more freedom just as someone who, was asking to do more constantly and, and seeing that progression from it. Were your teammates running as much as you? No, most most of the group was running probably if in the 50s to 70s. We had a couple guys that might get over 70s. Um, so but, you were running substantially more. Yeah, yeah. So like my training was a little different than than a lot of the group um, for sure. But it 
we found that it worked for me. I, I just had a lot of confidence off of just going out and kind of hammering every day and, and running a lot. And I think certainly there, is, there are benefits to just running a lot. And, and it, it worked really well for me. And I think that kind of speaks to developing a close relationship with your coach, which you obviously had, because then you can kind of individualize a program within a system. And so you can have, you know, fill out your individual success while the team was also successful, which we'll talk about, you know, when we get into your cross country uh, season, your senior year. You know, for you training alone and doing more mileage, that impact you any way? Did you feel less connected, more connected with the team? Like, how was that? I guess, how did that tra- also translate into your racing then when you were training alone? Yeah, I mean, I was still super close with our team. We had a really tight knit group and, and we were always you know, pretty good. Um, we qualified as a team three of my four years competing. Um, so like that was always super, uh, super cool experiences. So I was really close and, and it was really my last two years where I started to get really good where this was the case. So early in my career, I definitely had guys to train with guys to work out with, um, in cross country, but it gave me a little confidence. Like I would, I would run to practice, you know, run with the guys and, and maybe, you know, I'd talk Eamon into adding more miles after, after the run with, with me, you know, if it was the winter, we might be up on the indoor track just after practice running laps. So it, it gave me more confidence and, it, and I don't think it took away from, from our team dynamic. We had a, a really awesome team culture and, and guys that are still my really good friends to this day. So I don't think it took away from that at all. It was just, you know, I kind of was just this weird guy that liked to run a lot. You know, being in the WEAC, uh, especially at your time, you had really good people in your conference. Obviously, you know, you were an All-American, but, you know, that conference meet, uh, for those that don't know, I'm sure I had a friend run at Stevens Point, and he said it was like, it was the pinnacle meet of the year. So can you describe kind of like what the atmosphere was like at the WEAC meet? Also, you know, lining up against Ian Lemire and the Darren Lows of the world? Yeah, I mean, conference was always a big deal. We wanted to place well, but as it, where we were at as a team, the focus was always regionals because we wanted to make nationals as a team. I think on the individual side, conference was really cool because yeah, we did get to match up against these really great runners. Um, you know, some guys that are historically good in division three and guys that are running on the professional level, like you mentioned, you know, Ian Lemire and I actually ran against Ian in high school too. We, you know, we went to schools that were about two miles apart. Um, so I got to compete against him for a very long time and it was kind of interesting early in our careers. We went back and forth as to who was better. And then at, at the end of his career, it just didn't become close anymore. Um, as he got historically good, but I think it pushes you like it, makes you want to get better right you're always racing against really good competition and I, I think that makes you better you know we you know from from conference to, to to then the regional which was always also really competitive you're running against you knew every year you were running against a number of all americans i think my best year of in cross country i finished 13th in the country but was fifth at the conference I think we had six or seven All-Americans from the conference that year. You know, you look at, we had the national champ. I think we had the national runner-up as well that year. One more finisher who was, I think, another Eau Claire. This is the year Eau Claire won. Um, they had another guy who was 10th or 11th. I was 13th. Darren Lau was right behind me. Um, so we had five guys, I think, in the top 14 in the country from our conference. So I think it just makes you better, right? You get to race really good guys all the time. You have to bring your A game or or you're going to get your butt kicked. When you're racing the best guys at 
the conference level and the regional level and maybe you're finishing, you know, fifth in the region or whatever, how does that affect your confidence then going into the national meet and being like, okay, well, I was fifth. Like, I mean, you probably thought of yourself as a top 10 guy at nationals on your best day. How did you rationalize those two goals? Definitely. I mean, I think within our region and our conference, you just know that every year there's five guys that can be top 10 in, in the country. And, and so you go, yeah, I was fifth, but I can still be top 10. I can beat those guys that were right in front of me or right behind me at that, that previous meet. So I don't think it really changed it, it at all. Really the, the biggest confidence killer my, my senior year was the, the pre-national meet where I ran horribly and finished like 16th or 17th. Um, but, but really the finishing fifth at, at the conference and regional level, my senior year kind of built that confidence back up. I was pleased with the, those races, just knowing how much depth there was nationals your senior year was on your home course yeah um so yeah that was a a super awesome experience actually my first national meet was on our home course as well i think you were in that race Mm -hmm. um you finished a couple spots ahead of me right you were like 261 to my 264 yeah probably something like that i think you you were like i think you were eighth or something (laughs) yeah I, i did okay but but so it was it was actually really cool to kind of have the bookends of my college career both happen uh, at our home course where I could have, you know, family and friends there. So it was it was really cool way to, to finish out my career. I, I loved that course. My One of my fastest times is from that course. So, you know, not only is it a PR course, then it's the course where I, you know, got to, to finish as an All-American in cross country for the, the first and, and only time. Um, so it, it was a really cool moment. And your team finished 13th. Yeah, yeah. So we had, you know, we thought we were a top 10 team that year. Um, obviously, we didn't didn't race that way at, at the national meet. But, yeah, it was cool to have a team there as well and, and just all the support from, you know, everybody's families. And, and we had a lot of alum out. And so it was just a, a really cool uh, experience to be able to be on that course for kind of uh, my last go around. Let's kind of move into the track now for your later half of the career. You know, you mentioned that you had the Attaboy All-American um, finishing ninth. The following year, you followed up with a eighth place performance. Oh, yeah. I snuck in there. The difference between eighth and ninth is huge. <laughs> <laughs> I was so much happier. There's, uh, like, when I finished eighth, I, like, fist pumped across the line. <laughs> and then, but then right after fist pumping, I was like, wait, was I eighth? Because there was... You know, there was like a fall on the last water jump right next to me and like someone like right behind me and I was catching someone. So I like fist pumped because I was like, yeah, I was all American. And then I look at my coach and he didn't seem that excited. So I was like, wait, did I get ninth? Um, and then when he saw me looking at him, then he was happy and, and kind of gave me the thumbs up. So then I celebrated again. But yeah, it was it was a really cool moment. I had goals of finishing a little higher, but I think, you know, when you're getting to that level, you know, there's so many good guys. There's so much depth in, in Division three that it, it's tough it's really hard to be all american so i was i was ecstatic following up your senior year you have a nice pr in the 5k running 1433 you break nine twice in the steeplechase and you head into uh, the national meet with the number one time in the nation you finish second in the prelims and then you know you run her up in the finals like take us through that weekend you know what was your preparation like and you know how the race play out on the day of the final yeah, my confidence was was super high going in. Um, obviously, when you, when you run the fastest time in the country, that's usually going to be the case. There were some guys that had run pretty close, but yet kind of went in with the the goal to win. I actually won my prelim second overall. Someone in the other prelim just ran a faster time, mm. 
probably didn't run super smart in my prelim because I watched the first prelim go kind of slow, which well in the steeple, which I thought was slow because I think the winner ran like nine twelve, and I'm like was kind of nervous. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go run a nine eleven by myself if nobody else wants to come with, and just make sure I'm in that final. So I actually like gapped the field by a ton in the prelim, which probably isn't the smartest thing to do. And then they kind of reeled me in, and obviously I still hung on to win it, but. It was actually like brutal conditions. It was in Warburg, Iowa, um, which is not known for having really awesome weather in uh, the end of May. Yeah. So it was super hot and humid. I think it was in the 90s with like 80% humidity. Ugh. Yeah, so that that wasn't super fun. But yeah, going into that final, like the, the goal hadn't changed. I was a little, you know, worried about the weather conditions. But obviously at that point, you know, everybody's got to run through that. You can't really um, do anything about it other than hopefully be hydrated and, and ready to go. But when, yeah, when the gun went off, I felt horrible and, you know, I kind of put myself towards the front race went on. I started feeling worse. Some the ultimate, uh, winner made a huge move with like a K to go that I did not cover with. And I fell back to like sixth. And then I remember with a lap to go being like, man, if I don't close, I am not even going to be all American. So I definitely need to close hard. And, and that was something I was always good at. I could, I could run a really fast lap, um, which is something that's, harder to do some people struggle you know kicking in a steeple just because you have the barriers and the water jump to worry about um, but I was able to go from I had the fastest last lap for the race and was able to get back up to second about a second off the leader so it was I was super you know it was mixed emotions obviously I wanted to win but I think you know finishing second was still a really awesome accomplishment and, and kind of the more I reflected on it afterwards you know from where I started my career in high school as, as being you know a 10 flat guy essentially to finishing as a, a national runner-up in the steeple was a pretty awesome progression and, and something I, you know, really value. And, and at, you know, now that I've had a lot of reflection time, I really uh, appreciate Yeah, based on that progression, you know, where's some advice you have to the young steeplechasers out there, whether it's Division three, Division two, or Division one? Like, what do you have, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, and I don't even know that it's, it's probably not steeple-specific. Well, with the steeple-specific, just spend a lot of time with it. Even though I never had great form, I, I spent a ton of time just doing different drills, hurdle mobility stuff, walkovers, spent a lot of time jumping, um, especially during the indoor season. I would go up into our indoor track and, you know, after an easy day, I would you know, I'd spend 30, 40 minutes up there uh, a couple of times a week. So just putting the time in, you know, to, to be a master of your craft and the hurdling is an important component of it. Even though it is a distance race, it's, it's a distance hurdle race. Um, so just putting in the time there. And I think you know, more generally as, you know, college runners is consistency. That's really what pays off. You know, I, I was able to go from, you know, my sophomore year, obviously I, I was sick, but other than that, I, I don't think I missed more than a day of running uh, unplanned more than one day at a time during my entire career. So just being consistent and not trying to focus too much on any given week or any, you know, given month and just stacking weeks upon weeks, months upon months, seasons upon seasons. And that's where you see those really big gains. I mean, it's, you know, the first, especially if you look at cross country, my first few seasons um, were nothing special. I was getting better a little bit at a time, but then all of a sudden I went from being a guy that was in the middle of the national field to being a guy that was trying to run at the front of the national field. And, and there was nothing that I did different other than stay consistent and, and keep putting in the work that I had been putting and, and obviously listening to your coach and, and, you know, doing all those little things. So you, I mean, you had more success in college athletics than I would guess you could have imagined coming 
you know, from your humble high school um, career, were you looking back on it, you know, when you finished that last steeplechase, were you fulfilled by what you had accomplished? <laughs> yes and no. Like, obviously, we always, you know, want to run faster. I think that's something as runners, like, that's one of the really cool things about the sport is, like, really, you're competing against yourself. Like, you're always going to feel you can run faster. Um, so certainly that was there, I think, just as a performance and accolades thing. Uh, I remember my first year sitting in the coach's office and behind his desk up on the wall, there's um, these big plaques that have then engraved all of the All-Americans. So if you're an All-American, you get an engraving with the event and year. And I just remember every meeting you know, every time just going in the office to hang out, just looking at that and being like, wow, that would be really cool. And just wondering, like, man, my freshman year running, you know, 27 minutes in cross country and being like, dang, having teammates running in the low 24s being like, man, how do you get there? And and then, you know, sooner than you think and you don't think much has changed. And all of a sudden now I'm up there and and it, it's it's really cool. So I, I definitely was fulfilled with with kind of the accolades and accomplishment side of things. Because really, that was that was the ultimate goal to be an All-American, to be on that board and in a you know, I'm super proud to say, you know, I'm up there three times and, and certainly at Oshkosh, we have some, some legendary track and field and, and cross country athletes that are up there way more than I am, but I, I still am super proud of that. So we're going to press pause on your athletic career for now. We'll come back to it. And now we kind of want you to introduce us to Jordan, the coach. <laughs> and so how did that transition happen? What were your first steps? Did you know all along that coaching was something you wanted to get into? I didn't. So I was a finance major um, for a while um, and thought, you know, yeah, I just want to go make a lot of money, like work for a big business. Like, yeah, coaching. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and look at me now. Um, so like that, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And, and I remember after my junior year doing an internship at, at like a really big um, financial management company, um, Thrivent Financial. It's based out of Appleton. A uh, little plug there. Shout out um, for hiring me. So I did an internship there, and God, I hated it. Um, <laughs> shout I, out! Yeah, shout out! God, I hated it. I sat in a cube all day, and you know, I, I worked in procurement and worked on uh, contracts. And basically, my job was to figure out if these firms we were going to buy things from we're going to go bankrupt before they could fulfill their contract or not. And I hated it. And I got paid really well as an intern, but it still wasn't worth it. I just did everything I could to not do work. <laughs> and it was, I was, you know, waiting for the clock to end and uh, for each day. And then I just remember looking around at, at the people I worked with and being like, man, could I see myself doing this for a really long time? I'm struggling to get through a three month internship and I'm like, wow, I need to reevaluate what I want to do and, and, and what I'm interested in. And, and really it was, you know, through talking with Eamon and, you know, he's been, you know, he's more than just a coach. He was like a life coach for me and, and still is, um, just really figuring out like, Hey, what do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? Cause ultimately you should do something that you're passionate about and you're going to enjoy. Um, why would you spend so much time that you spend working a job at something you don't enjoy. And, and really the more I thought about it, it, it always came back to running. That was what I was passionate about. That's what brought me enjoyment and fulfillment. And kind of from, from that point on, it was, yeah, that's, I want to go into collegiate athletics. Um, for a little while I thought, you know, do, is it coaching or is it administration? 
eventually kind of geared more towards coaching. But yeah, that internship was huge because it showed me what I didn't want to do mm-hmm. um, and, and really helped me find this passion that I had. And, and then I was a semester away from graduating and I'm like, Oh shoot. Um, so I changed my major to like, I was already in the college of business too deep to get out. Um, so I was like, man, what major can I change to that is less businessy? And that ended up being economics, which I I did enjoy, um, seemed a little more versatile. So I switched to econ, um, and, and actually graduated a semester later, with a business degree, knowing that I wanted to go into coaching. So, um, yeah, it's sort of a a unique route for sure, which I think uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that I'm sure have similar stories. Yeah. I think I have a very similar story. I had an internship, had a full-time job in Chicago and just realized the same thing. Like working at a desk all day is not what I wanted to be doing. I think I had my aha moment within like the first one or two months coaching. You know, what was your aha moment? That's like, yep. Coaching's the the route for me. Yeah, so I, I, I helped out at Oshkosh for a little bit. Um, so I graduated early and then had the opportunity to, to help out um, for a while while I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, ultimately, that led me uh, to grad school, um, just knowing that a lot of coaching positions want you to have a, a graduate degree of some kind. And so that, that really got me, you know, introduced to more the coaching side as opposed to being, you know, a student athlete. The, the aha moment like came a little bit into my coaching career. It was really when I became a head coach that I was like, you know, cause as an assistant, sometimes you get to do meaningful things. Sometimes most of the time you don't do super meaningful things, right? You do a lot of the the menial tasks and, you know, you don't get to do a, a ton of the actual coaching. Um, so really once I got my hands into doing the actual coaching, it was just really awesome. And, and it just confirmed what I had thought. And it was like, yes, this, I love this. This is awesome. This is super fulfilling. Um, and, and this is what I really love to do. Um, and I was fortunate, you know, when I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but basically, you know, after finishing up at Oshkosh, I was looking for coaching jobs and saw a post by Pomona Pitzer and had never heard of them, but, you know, did some Google research and was, was pretty intrigued in, in the schools and, and the type of place that it was really meshed well with, you know, what I found important and, and being that really, you know, a, a balance between academics and athletics and uh, valued that and, and applied for it. And, it was funny. I submitted my application and two minutes later I got an email from the current head coach saying like, Hey, like let's schedule a time to talk. So that was really cool. And at the time that was uh, Tony Boston. And a few weeks later I loaded up my car and moved to, um, Los Angeles County, um, from, from Wisconsin where I had never spent more than like two weeks out of. You were hired as an assistant at Pomona. Yep. And now you're the head coach. Correct. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, so really, really unique. Um, certainly, you know, right place, uh, right time, do the right things and, and you'll get an opportunity. Um, so, so Tony actually, um, got a really cool opportunity of his own to, um, move into the, the Dean's office. And this was, you know, coming to the end of my first year as an assistant there. And the guys on the team really pushed, you know, for me to kind of step into that, that role. Um, so, so like I said, certainly lucky, right place, right time. But I think if you do the right things, you know, you'll be set up well. And, and obviously the, the, the guys on the team really supported me and pushed for me to, to get that job. And 
yeah. And then I was, you know, next thing I knew I was 24 and, and a head coach of uh, a really cool program. Yeah. As you said, 24 years old, you know, if you look around D3, there's some legends out there that have been coaching 40 plus years, uh, Al Carius, Tom Donnelly, you know, did you feel there was extra pressure? Corey, Corey Stoffer again. Corey Stoffer again, obviously. Wow. I should have led with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you feel there was extra pressure, you know, as a 24 year old head coach? Definitely. I mean, because I, I knew we, we had a really talented team. And uh, at the time, you know, they were just coming off, you know, a 17th place at the national meet, which is is most programs in the country would love to have that. So we, we had some talent. Um, I, you know, I had been there for a year, so I knew we had a, I had recruited a, a good class that was coming in. Um, so certainly there was pressure because, you know, I really thought we could be a good team that next year. I mean, you know, we talked about trophy you know, that first year, that was 2017, you know, cross country season, you know, we, we thought that was realistic. We thought we were that good. So yeah, there was a ton of pressure because it's, if, you know, you have a team that you think can be that good, it's like, man, I really don't want to screw this up. Um, so certainly you have those fears. Fortunately, I, you know, I have a ton of really awesome mentors that I could, you know, bounce ideas off of, um, you know, Eamon, my college coach, Cal, my high school coach, um, Tony, the, the previous coach, you know, my, my post-collegiate coach as well, um, Rich, Richard Hansen. So I, I was really fortunate to have this really awesome um, support network where, you know, if, if I was questioning something or, you know, looking for, for workout ideas, I had a lot of people to turn to and, and bounce ideas off of. So that certainly, uh, especially that first year, was, was huge for me were similar age and went through being young coaches. Did you ever feel that you weren't being taken seriously by peers, especially, you know, heading up a, you know, a big time program when you went to like, let's say the conference race or the regional race, the national race. And additionally, do you feel that your athletes were taking you seriously? On the coaching side, I, you know, I think the coaches in our conference were, were really supportive. There's, there's a lot of good guys there. I think there, there's certain people that, you know, would say, oh, I don't have the experience or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, coaches that I'm recruiting against or was recruiting against then. But, you know, you, what are you going to do about that? You know, all you can do is, is focus on your group and, and hopefully the performances will, will speak for themselves. As far as the, the team, I, I tell them on day one, not to take me seriously. Um, <laughs> I, the, you know, I coach uh, very similar to how I was coached with Eamon, and, and Eamon, you know, is, is very big on, you know, building personal relationships, being super approachable, being really goofy. If there's one thing I'll say about Eamon, he does not care what anybody thinks about him ever, which I think is, is something if you can do is, is really cool because most people cannot do that. You know, so I've modeled my, my coaching style off his. I, I don't pretend to be super serious all the time. You know, I think this sport that we're in should be fun. Um, especially at the division three level, like there's no scholarship over your head. You're doing it because you love it. Like, and, and we're asking you to put in all this work. Um, shouldn't it be fun too? So I, I try to not take myself seriously ever. Um, I think they really mesh with that. And, and I think there's a respect that comes from, from, from that side of things as well. So certainly they may not take me super seriously, but I think there's definitely a respect level there. And, I think I was fortunate, you know, early on, the top guys on the team really bought into that and, and bought into what I was bringing to the table and, you know, very different than, you know, Coach Boston's style. Um, 
not bad or good, but different. And I was fortunate that the kind of top guys on the team, those leaders bought in right away. So that kind of really brought um, those early movers kind of brought the rest of the, the team along. So it was a super easy transition. And, and I was just super fortunate to have some some awesome student athletes from day one. You won the national championship this year. You're the third installment in our national championship series. And you won that national championship at 26 years old, which we're going to go ahead and say on the podcast, and people can fact check this, uh, but you must have been the youngest head coach to ever win a national championship um, until we're proven wrong. We're gonna keep <laughs> Just quickly, how validating was that? But you know, more in depth, I want to give you a chance to, uh, to brag about your guys and tell us about their progression as athletes. Yeah, I guess... Um... I don't know if it, it's the youngest. I know when I first took over, a lot of people were like, oh, you might be the youngest head coach in the NCAA. And maybe, I don't know. And, you know, I, I guess I don't focus on it too much. I feel like now that I've, I've been the head coach for three years, I kind of feel like I'm getting old. But I guess not really. You're not. Um, no. um, but it feels like I've been doing it for a while. It was not not validating for me like you know at the end of, like I said I don't take myself seriously so I could care less what what all those uh, what people say about me or think about me but it was validating for our program um, for our guys for what they've been building um, for for a long time like I said in, in 2017 we thought we were a trophy team and and we were really you you could look at that race at 7k we were in I think third or fourth place and we we had our, our top runner um, on our team really, you know, had some struggles in the final K and, and we ended up sixth, uh, I think less than 30 points out of a trophy. And then the next year, again, we thought we were a trophy team. We brought back most of that group. Unfortunately, we had one of our, our returning all Americans, um, have some, some stuff, you know, that he had to deal with, with family and, and took some time off, which of course that's always going to be more important than, than anything we're doing on the athletic side of thing, things. And so certainly nothing you can do there, but you know, we ended up seventh and with some really young guys. So, you know, we knew this was building, knew it was there. We had been talking about it. So it was validating for, for everything we've been talking about doing um, and everything we've been working towards and, and building. It was validating for that reason. And, and less winning it, we had really wanted just a trophy. Mm. That was the goal from day one was we want to win a trophy at the national meet, something Pomona Pitzer had never done. Sixth was our highest finish ever at, at a national championship and, and validating as well, because, you know, I think the West Coast is, is often overlooked um, when you look at the traditional powers of, of Division three cross country. You know, you you know, you think obviously of, of North Central and, and that awesome program that they have. You know, you think of um, the YX schools, obviously, that, that I was really familiar with. You think of DePaul University, DePaul University. You think of obviously the. <laughs> The, the East Coast schools, um, most people wouldn't think of West Coast or Pomona Pitzer. So um, just validating to be kind of, you know, breaking through for, for the West and, and showing that, hey, there's really good teams out here too. But then kind of now to, to touch on the, the second part of our group, I, I, I always talk about I'm, I'm fortunate to work with, um, and I'm biased, the best student athletes um, in, in the country. These guys, they they work so hard. They buy into all the crap I tell them. And you know, when I tell them that they're really good and can do these things, they just kind of have this unwavering belief um, uh, in what I tell them, which is 
something I really appreciate. And, and they're motivated and they want to be good. And, and they talk about these things amongst themselves. So it's something that they really had bought into. And, and I think when you look at when you look at this team that won the national title, when you look on paper, you would go, that does not look like a national championship team. So when you look at, uh, I'll run through our, our guys and where they finish. Shout um, outs. Yeah, some shout outs and, and well-deserved because, again, they, they do all the work. I, I kind of sit there and just talk at them um, and, and tell them what they, they should and shouldn't do. And then they go do all the work. But starting at the front, uh, Ethan Wudlansky, you know, seventh place uh, this year at the national meet as, as a sophomore. He was 192nd at the national meet last year as, as a freshman. Had a really awesome freshman year, like made international team, um, broke 15 minutes on the track. And, you know, he was a guy that I didn't recruit that much. Like he ran like mid-940s senior year right at the end, was a 950s guy before that. So like his progression has been really awesome to see. Really quick story about him. The day, the night before the national meet, we did our kind of pre-meet talk and and I, you know, we, I kind of set a plan for each of our group and I looked over and I was like, Ethan, there's going to be a group that breaks away. It's probably going to be 10 to 15 guys. You have to be in that group. And his eyes got kind of really big and, and I didn't say anything then. And then I saw him after the meeting and I, I kind of went up to him like, Hey, you know, it's not going to be a disappointment if you're not top 10, um, you know, being all American is awesome. That's going to be a huge day, but you got to believe that you can be, and you got to put yourself in a position to be, um, so again, he made me look really good, and like I knew what I was talking about when he, you know, was able to do that and, and come home seventh. Going down to the next guy, Dante Pascage, sixteenth place, um, All American. Again, another sophomore. He was a hundred and sixteenth freshman year. Again, by by all means, had a, an awesome freshman year, but but was a hundred and sixteenth. Our third place finisher, uh, Danny Rosen, has been an awesome steepler for us. Had never been to a national cross country meet. He was probably like our 10th or 11th guy last year, like really didn't get close to, to being in the top seven. And he finished 41st. Maybe the the one thing that didn't go perfect for us, you know, one spot out of All-American. But but he was pumped for, for the team accolade, obviously. You go to our number four, uh, Ethan Ashby. Again, first national meet, finishes 68th in the country. He was our alternate last year, so our eighth man, so got really close, but had never run at a national meet. Our fifth man, Owen Kaiser, a really cool story. He was like 14th on our team. Really, I didn't think he would be in the mix this year for, for the national team. And he put in a ton of work over the summer and, and made this huge jump in 71st at nationals as a sophomore, first national meet. You go back to our sixth guy, Hugo Ward. He was on our national team the previous year um, as a junior. He was actually our top returner from the national meet the previous year. He had a solid year, just obviously didn't have a, a good day out in the mud in Louisville, but Rant was 122nd. Our seventh man, Joe Pessy Withrow, he was like 21st on our team his freshman year, the year prior. Like, ran 2640s, which certainly is a pretty decent freshman year time, but then made this huge jump to, to making our national team and running low 25s uh, as a sophomore. So we knew it, right? We talked about it. We knew this was a team that could trophy, but, you know, you look on paper and where they had finished previously or their their lack of experience at the national meet, I think it, it really surprised a, a lot of people. So going through that list, you mentioned a lot of underclassmen and a lot of guys are coming back. How are you going to handle that? defending title reign going through this track season and into next year? You know, we knew we were young. We have a lot of sophomores, a couple of freshmen who, who 
were talented as well. And really, that's I really wanted a trophy this year because I thought like next year we could win, and like that was going to prove to them that you know they could come back next year and win. I, I hope they really believe it now uh, that they can come back next year and win, uh, having done it. But I mean, the motto is just to, to be consistent and, and keep getting better. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do as runners, right? We're just trying to get better. And that's always our motto. Our motto is about self-improvement, not comparing yourself to others. In our pre-meeting, I didn't talk about a single other team that was at the national meet because we didn't care. We were going to go execute our race plan that we thought would get us third or fourth. <laughs> we we executed it really well and, and it ended up winning. So that's kind of what I preach. I, I say something I say to our group a lot is fitness does not lie. So at the end of the day, we're trying to build our own personal fitness. We're trying to be the best runner we can be. Um, so that's not going to change. We'll certainly on the track. We want to qualify a lot of guys to the national meet. We take a lot of pride in, you know, how many guys we can get under 15 minutes in the 5k. And that's really a big indicator for obviously our, our cross country success the next year. And then coming into to nationals next year, like it's always going to be really, really hard to win a national title. You know, you look at the programs out there, it's incredible what North central has done. You know, you look, they have 19 national championships. The next highest program, shout out UW Oshkosh, has four. So that dominance is incredible. And you know that they're going to be back with a team that is going to be capable of winning again. You know that there's all these teams that were towards the front and there might be surprise teams like us. Um, so it's always going to be really hard. I think the motto is going to be the same thing. Like, let's put ourselves in a position to trophy, put ourselves in a position, fitness, you know, mentally. So when we do get to the national championship, we're in a position to be able to win again. Certainly winning is not going to be the only, the only goal that we have. You keep mentioning, you know, you talked about wanting, wanting just a trophy this year. You know, how much did you guys talk about that in your meetings or did you not really hype that up a lot until you got to the national meet? Something I told our captains actually before we did our first, cause I let the captains run the goals meeting and I, 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 I slip them ideas that, maybe would be good to talk about. And I, I kind of mentioned, Hey, we need to have other goals than just trophy. We all knew like that was like the goal. We all knew that's what we wanted to do. Like the, it had been the same thing the last two years, but I wanted to have other goals and, and, you know, goals for every single person on the team that they can contribute to, not just obviously you're scoring five or seven. So yeah, there were other goals, but we really started to talk about it. You know, once we got to, kind of the midway point of the season, you know, when we, we traveled out to, to UW Oshkosh for their home invitational, which where we got to see, you know, North Central College, Wash U, Wartburg, some of the other really good programs in, in the country. And that's really where it started. And we kind of said, hey, if we can beat some of these teams, we're as good as we think we are. It's our chance to kind of prove to ourselves what we've been talking about. So that's really where it started. And, and we competed really well there, um, got our butts kicked by North Central which at the time we expected to happen, but we beat some really good programs. We then went to our conference meet and, and lost in a tiebreak to a, a really good team in, in CMS. And we knew really good. So like I wasn't shocked in, in our, the, the way our conference meet worked out this year. It ended up being almost like a dual meet. So we lost by a tiebreak, actually as close as it can get. <laughs> um, but the message, the goals didn't change. You know, the, the second that meet ended, I said, hey, you know, props to them. They ran well. They came ready. But for all we know, that's a trophy team right there. Um, just like we think we're a trophy team, they might be that good too. And and they almost were. They were, you know, towards the end of the race, they were sitting second. 
So they're a really good program. They finished sixth. Um, so that really didn't derail our confidence. A lot of people have asked me about that. Like, oh, what was it like to lose your conference meet and then win, win the national title? But it, it, it didn't affect us. You know, we knew we were going to be ready. Um, we went on to the regional meet. Ran well. Ran obviously what we needed to do there. Guys were just excited for, for the national meet. And, and that's really, yeah, when we started talking about, hey, we, you know, we put in all this work. We've talked about all year wrong. We've done what we needed to do to put ourselves in a position to accomplish this goal. And, and from day one, that's what we talk about, be in a position, right? Because you can't, you can't change what other teams are doing, right? You can't affect how they run. All you can do is make sure you're ready to do your best and, and hope that on that day that, that puts you in the right position. And then we were able to do that. Well, Jordan, I think you're doing a great job of giving an idea of who you are as a coach with how you're handling your athletes, but we'll give you a first time ever 30-second plug as to why a high school senior should go to your school. I'm timing it too. Ready? And go. Oh, wow. And it's schools because it is Pomona College and Pitzer College. Um I'm biased, but I think they are two of the best academic schools in the country. And if, if you're serious about academics, you should certainly look there. And if you're serious about academics and athletics, you should definitely take a look at us uh, because we like to think we can do both of those things at a very high level. 26 seconds. Wow. Very impressive. <laughs> that's that's the elevator pitch that was great so now we want you to put your short shorts back on and we're going to uh go back to jordan the athlete for a little bit so another twofold question how quickly after graduating did you know you wanted to continue to train as a post-collegiate and two how did you find the roots running project of which we are both members and um both of our coach dr richard hansen oh he's gonna be upset i didn't throw that doctor in before I know. that's why i did it Oof. Well, edit it, edit it in. Doctor <laughs> Richard Hansen. I, I knew I knew pretty on right away. I actually after the national championship, I went and ran at a professional meet, you know, chasing the the school record. I did not get it. Immediately crushed. But no, I just I knew I still had goals that I wanted to achieve in running. I knew, like I said, at the end of the day, we're just trying to be better, better than we have been in the past. So I knew that I still had the the passion and drive to do that. So I knew early on that that I was going to continue running. The first like six months or so of that. So basically, when I you know moved to California and all the way through that fall, I was kind of writing my own program. Obviously, you know, getting a lot of input from Amen. But what I found quickly was it is very tough to be accountable to yourself, and you are biased. So I found myself doing things that I really like to do and not doing things that I don't like to do, and very quickly being like, well, I'll move this workout to this day because it's, I don't want to do it right now. So it's very tough to be accountable to myself. And that's the biggest reason I think why I have a coach. People always find it funny when uh, they hear I have a coach because I am a coach and they're like, weird. If you were an accountant, wouldn't you do your own taxes? Probably. But I, I think it's different just because of that accountability and kind of late fall. I think it was like, October sometime, I, I kind of put some feelers out to just some different elite level, like pro group coaches. And Richie was the only one who responded. Same. Um, so that had a lot to do with it and, and kind of set up a phone call. And he was super excited about the opportunity to coach me, which no one else felt that way. Um, and it was kind of similar to my college search. 
just that that someone having that excitement for what you want to do was really cool. Um, and I think obviously that's a big part of being a coach is is being excited for your your athletes. So that was really cool. Um, kind of had a conversation what you know his his philosophy was, and and it really kind of meshed well with something I wanted to try, and it, it was really different from what I did in in college. But that's really kind of how that started. And, and certainly it's obviously he's, you know, based here in Boulder. So it was, you know, remotely and, and but but that accountability was there. I knew, knew I had to go on to my blog and, and fill in what I did for that day and that workout. And if I didn't do it, I knew that he was going to send me a text or comment on my log and be like, what the heck? Um, so there, there was that that instant accountability. How has balancing your athletic goals with your coaching goals how's that been going for you it's really hard because i never want my athletes to feel as if i'm shortchanging them so that's something i really try to focus on obviously i'm fortunate that you know i have 25 running buddies on on easy recovery days when they when they match up and and i i do a lot of easy runs with with our group and i think that for me is one of the funnest parts of coaching and, and I think is important just for checking in and, and seeing how their day is going and, and stuff like that, kind of about when we're, we're getting those miles in. But I do all my workouts on my own. Um, a lot of times that means like at 9 or 10 p.m. out at the track. Luckily, I have a key for the lights at the track so I can turn the lights on whenever I want. Um, yeah, perks of, of being a coach. But it's tough. Like it's, you know, we'll have days where – if my workout day lines up with their workout day in cross country, that means, you know, I'm at our facility at 6 a.m. for their workout. I'm in the office during the day, um, especially in, in cross country. It's super hot during the day um, where we are. So not really a good time for me to sneak out and get a run in. Then we meet, you know, in the afternoon for, for our lift and, and their shakeout, um, stuff like that. And and by the time that's done, it's, you know, 6, 6 p.m. I might try to grab a bite of food. And then um, I'm going to get my workout in, you know, after that. And, you know, I might get home at 11 p.m. Um, so sometimes those days are really long. But fortunately, I don't have much of a life. Um, so there's there's not, nothing else I'd really rather be doing at that time anyway. So I'm, I'm okay with it. And I'm fortunate that my uh, significant other is also a, a runner and doesn't even live in the same town so that that tends to help to freeze up a lot of my time <laughs> what goals in running are keeping you going yeah they've they've changed even as uh my time as a post-collegiate originally i was still focused on the steeple um had some success right away was able to drop like five seconds off my lifetime best the first year the second year i got really frustrated with the steeple because i knew i was in the best shape of my life but i wasn't showing it in races just I fell one race, like had another race where pacing was weird. And, and so I just got really frustrated with the event and, and just decided that it was time to, to try something new. Um, and, and that kind of happened to be some longer stuff. So the next year I, I decided to focus on the half marathon, saw some, some pretty immediate success there. And it was just exciting to, to do a new event, something that was very different from, from what I'd ever done. I think as a steepler, it's such a weird event where like you only get to do steeples. Like I'd run maybe one 5k a year, uh, maybe one fifteen hundred, and then all steeples. And so it was refreshing to not do that, not do the steeple um, and have a new goal. So that was really exciting. And, and really what the, the goal has turned into is, is 
the Olympic trials um, for the marathon. Came really close last year uh, at Houston. Ran 64-16, I think. The standard is 64 flat for those at home. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about that race. I was the first person in the race not to hit the standard. <laughs> attaboy. Um, <laughs> once again, the attaboy spot. Um, that means you're going to hit it next time, though. But, yeah, so that's that's still something, you know, whether I hit it or not. Um, training, the coaching success has been at an all-time high. The training has been at an all-time low recently. Maybe that's correlated. So we'll see. It's starting to come around. If I hit it, great. If I don't, I'm still going to be excited to, to continue running and, and training. And I think that's something I'll, I'll want to do for for a long time, as, as long as I can. Where are you racing next? Houston, again, going back to the magic. And, and we'll hope we get it done. We'll see. Got a, got a few more weeks of training here. Do you think your your own personal aspirations to want to continue running has had a positive impact on your athletes? I think so. <laughs> they may come and say something totally different, but I think so. I think it, you know, they get pretty hyped when, when I, you know, I'm, I'm on Strava so they can all see my workouts. And so I think they'll, when I have a good workout, they get pretty hyped for me or they'll ask about it. I think also too, just, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with a number of different coaches and, and I think that's really helped me learn different training philosophies, different types of workouts, different things like that. And I think that's really helped me grow as a coach, just like I kind of touched on earlier, having all these different mentors who all have very different training styles. And I, you know, I'll be the first to say I steal, I steal workouts from coaches all the time. Um, if I find something online I like and it, it fits with what we're trying to do and the adaptation we're looking for, I'm going to steal it. And, and you know, I'm, like I said, I, I've been fortunate to have these awesome mentors that are, are perfectly okay with that. Yeah, let's touch on those mentors. I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but you mentioned how important Amen has been on your, not only your athletic career, but also your coaching career. But how can you maybe sum up his impact that he's had on you as a coach? It's huge. I definitely would not be a coach today if, if not ha- had I had Amen as a coach. He fueled that passion for running. He grew that passion. Obviously, it was there, but he kind of stoked that fire and, and really, really built it and encouraged me to, to go into coaching, even though I was moving to California for a part-time job that did not pay very much, and, and L.A. County is not cheap. But he encouraged it and, and said, like, yeah, if this is what you want to do, go do it. It's you know, it's hard to put into words, but he's been the single probably biggest impact on my running career and my coaching career. Well, to kind of finish things up here before we wrap up, this is kind of straight off the Let's Run message boards, but which oh, course boy. is shorter, Oshkosh or Augustana? Oh, wow. That's not even close. Um uh, <laughs> Oshkosh is a legit course. It is 8K every single time. Uh, John Zupons, the, the old coach, still sets the same course up every time. Um, you can ask uh, Matt Schaff. He, he wheels it. I think one year he said it was like four meters short. Um, but Augie... Sounds like, short to me. <laughs> uh, it's cross country. You know, you, there's a plus minus. Augie, uh, I think uh, there's been some years where it's been questionable. But yeah, I would definitely say Oshkosh is a very legitimate course. I, I should say Augie is because my PR is on Augie. So, <laughs> uh, it is very legitimate. It probably is long. I'll say that. So I probably would have broke 24 had it not been so long. Oh, easily. <laughs> All right. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on episode nine. Nine. 
nine of D3 glory days. Uh, it's really cool to hear your story. I'm not sure there's anyone else in the country who is balancing athletics and coaching at the level that you are right now. And so I think the listeners at home are really going to dig that. Appreciate it. I appreciate the time. It was, it was fun. Yeah, man. Um, well, anyway, we're, I'm going to get Jordan out of my bedroom and uh, we'll catch everyone later. <laughs> All right, that's all for episode nine of Division Three Glory Days. Thanks to Jordan for hanging out with us. Thanks to you for hanging around and listening. Please go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you found it, and we'll see you next time. Here's to the Glory Days.